If you love things like salami and sausages or any type of charcuterie at all, then you may want to listen to this episode. We're talking about it next, right here on The Kitchen Drawer. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Kitchen Drawer Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Jerry, with jerrysrustickitchen.com. And today we're talking about charcuterie. So that could be anything from, you know, different types of cured sausages or salamis, pepperonis, prosciuttos, bacon, pancetta, all those amazing, amazing meat products that we all love and know so well. And the cool thing about it is that it's really something that is not out of reach for you to really be able to do in your own kitchen. I know that sounds shocking, but trust me, it's actually a lot easier than you think. Now, of course, there are some techniques to it, and there are some tools that you may need or some things that you might have to get in order to make it work out or just make life a little bit easier. But there also really are some things that you can do, and it's pretty simple. And a little bit later on in the broadcast, I'm going to talk about an actual uh, whole system that you can actually buy to help you do charcuterie right in your own home, everything from salamis to just, I mean, an amazing amount of stuff. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But let's kind of break down exactly what charcuterie is. So charcuterie is actually a French term. It means little cuts. And essentially, that's really what the meat is. I mean, if you've taken kind of a cross section of, say, salami, for example, you can see that you know, you have the meat and the fat and all those types of things coming together. Sometimes you can see the spices that are in there. Um, certainly on things like pancetta, you can definitely see the peppercorns and uh, that type of thing. Sometimes the allspice berries. But it's it's really just cured or salted or smoked meats. And everybody has pretty much had these in some form or another if you are into eating meat. Um, but of course, it, it really can kind of include a little bit more than just that. So, I mean, typically we think of things that are salt cured. Um, bacon, for example, would be a, a prime example. Uh, a lot of sausages can also be salt cured. Uh, prosciuttos can also be salt cured as well. You may also have something that is a smoked food, so smoked sausages. If you've ever had summer sausage from Hickory Farms, for example, or Swiss Colony, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. This would be something that would be considered a smoked sausage. Um, and it's just put in a little bit of different type of casing. So essentially, they're basically cured meats and cured sausages. Um, however, you can also have other things that, you know, some things might, uh, people may consider uh, charcuterie as well. Things like pâtés and terrines, uh, things like confit. And we'll get into that stuff a little bit later. But what I really wanted to kind of break down a little bit for you are charcuterie boards. So we've all seen a lot of charcuterie boards. I mean, there's countless. And I mean, it's not just meat and cheeses, you know. It could be meats and cheeses. It could be chocolates. It could be a, a dessert charcuterie board. It could be fruit. I mean, there's they're all over the place. Like, I mean, I can tell you every time I look at my Instagram... I will constantly see charcuterie boards, and they're gorgeous. They're absolutely beautiful. 
Um, and that's really what it is, is just this beautiful array of different meats and cheeses and olives and compliment or, you know, uh, condiments and things of that nature. So certainly those are things that you can add in to make your charcuterie board a little bit better. But when we kind of talk about putting these together, the whole idea is to have different varieties, different textures, different flavors. And so I'm not going to go too in depth as far as what you should put on your board, but it's usually a good idea to just make sure that you think about the different textures. So, um, you know, again, the different types of meats, different types of maybe nuts, even fruits sometimes, if it's something that's going to complement the meats or the cheeses for that matter, um, cheeses certainly, and definitely things that have maybe that vinegary sort of bite, things like uh, cornichons or over, you know, pickles, olives, those types of things as well. They really can help to kind of round that out because really to me, I think a charcuterie board is really all about the textures and the different mouthfeels. So if you have something like, say, a uh, hard salami, for example, it's going to be different than, you know, that kind of butteriness from, say, uh, prosciutto or the brininess of olives. And so it's just kind of that it's like an adventure for your taste buds, really, is what a charcuterie board is to me. And and I think that that's why they're so popular, because you have so much of a variety that's kind of laid out on these boards that you really have a chance to you know, taste and experience different flavors and different textures. And I think that's something that's kind of an exciting thing for your taste buds, certainly. So let's talk a little bit about charcuterie. So, I mean, like I said, obviously, you know, we've all seen salamis and I mean, if you eat pepperoni, it's, it's a type of salami as well. These are all things that are considered charcuterie. Um, they're also considered fermented because they have to ferment. Some things dry age. If you have a dry age steak, for example. Um, again, as I mentioned, if you have things like pâtés or uh, terrines, these also can be considered charcuterie as well. Now, uh, again, there's, there's some things that are pretty simple. Um, usually most of these things will involve a salt cure a lot of times. And those salt cures are typically done by a specific type of salt. So usually uh, pink salt. Now, when I say pink salt, of course, I don't mean pink Himalayan salt. It's actually a different, it's actually a specific uh, type of curing salt. Um, of course, there is also a lot of controversy about, you know, having those nitrites and nitrates because those are actually what's helping to cure the meat. So... Obviously, you know, some people want to be able to avoid those things altogether. Some people, um, you know, actually go through and they'll get things that are maybe uncured uh, where they don't have those things and they don't contain those things. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's it's totally up to you as far as what you do. Um, you know, everything in moderation, of course, is always good. It's probably best to not sit down and eat an entire uh, stick of salami on your own. Probably not going to be the best for your health or your weight for that matter either, or your blood pressure because there's typically a lot of fat in them. Um, but when we talk about some of the different things that you can do in terms of being able to kind of cure your own meats, one of the easiest things to do is actually, believe it or not, bacon. Um, if you can find pork belly. So pork belly is typically what bacon is made out of. Uh, pancetta, which is an Italian bacon, typically it's rolled, not always. Um, again, it's usually made with pork belly. So 
you may have, um, especially if you have a local butcher, um, they may have pork belly that you can get and they can trim it up for you. If not, maybe it's something that you can, certainly you can order these things online now because there's so many different small, um, you know, small ranchers and small farms that actually will um, ship, you know, these full amounts of different types of cuts and meats to you directly. So of course you can always do it that way as well. Or again, if it's something where you can work with a, a local purveyor or a local butcher, um, obviously it's going to be a lot cheaper for you. And typically it is also a lot fresher as well. But bacon is something that's really pretty simple to make. Um, you know, there is a curing, uh, you know, process to it. Um, but one of the ways, as I was mentioning before, that you can actually do this is you can actually get this entire system um, or uh, products, I guess I want to say, or a, a group of products um, that you can use to actually make everything from your own bacon. Um, you can actually dry age beef. You can make your own, you know, capicola or prosciutto, um, salamis. There's all kinds of different things that you can actually make. And the good part is, is that it's something you can do at home with minimal amounts of equipment, but it's definitely gotta, you definitely want to make sure that you have a kitchen scale for this. And, um, you know, kitchen scales, again, they're something that are really important. They're so, they're inexpensive. It's really something you definitely should have, everybody should have in their kitchen. But we're going to talk about that next, right after this. All right, guys, we're talking about charcuterie today. And as I was mentioning previously, there's actually an entire system. Now, I've, I've used their stuff before. Um, I actually am pretty fond of it. I really like it. Uh, and it's a company called Umai Dry. So you may or may not have heard of it. This is the easiest way um, to actually be able to do charcuterie at home uh, without having all kinds of extra and sometimes expensive equipment. It's also something that's kind of foolproof. And I think the cool thing about it is it really just kind of gives you a chance to start out with charcuterie, especially if you've never, ever done it before. Um, you know, you're not sure about... Uh, spraying and inoculating things with molds and yeasts and all that, which is involved in a lot of charcuterie. Um, if you've ever seen the white stuff that's around a, a really good salami, um, believe it or not, that is, of course, actually helpful molds. Um, it's not harmful to you, but it's something that is used to ferment the sausages or to ferment the, uh, the salamis. So, this is a cool way to do it with the this whole Umai Dry system, and they have a lot of different things, um, again, that you can try out. I've used them for bacon. Um, pretty soon I will actually be using them for salamis and some pepperoni, and I'm really excited about them because they made it so simple. Um, you can actually buy, you know, whatever it is that you want to work with, if it's, you know, salamis or bacon or whatever, um, and you can actually buy an entire kit for these things, and they're really pretty cool. And I will go ahead and I'll leave a link for them um, in the show notes as well, because you definitely want to check them out. They make some great stuff, um, and they've got some really you know easy to follow videos. And of course, there are a lot of YouTube channels and things like that that actually talk about uh, Umai Dry and how to use those products. So one of the first things that I ever did when I first started doing any type of charcuterie and any type of curing meats was I did bacon. 
Um, bacon was something that was pretty simple. Originally, my intent was to do pancetta, but you have to kind of have enough that you can actually roll it up. Unfortunately, I did not. Um, it was a little bit harder for me to actually find a, a piece that was large enough to be able to do that. So I actually just decided to make bacon, and it was pretty amazing, I have to say. Um, you know, the cool thing about it was that it was something I had cured myself. Um, it's really, again, it's very simple to make. And the only thing that you have to have that's really, I guess, kind of a specialty uh, sort of piece of equipment that you might need, and maybe you already have one of these, is you need to make sure that you have a, a food sealer, a vacuum sealer. And this is something that you're really going to need if you want to use their system, because that's really what it's all based off of for the most part. Um, so, I mean, that's really one of the only things that you have to have. If you're going to get into things like um, you know, making salami and stuff like that, then you, of course, want to make sure you have a meat grinder. You're going to want to make sure that you have um, things like a sausage stuffer or uh, even if you have a KitchenAid mixer and you can, you know, get the sausage stuffer and the meat grinder attachments, that will work fine as well. Um, but those are the kind of specialty things that you have to have if, you know, you want to get into some of those other things. And, and again, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. I mean, you know, these are obviously vacuum sealers. You can spend really expensive amounts. I'd probably get one where you can do wet and dry both um, just because it makes it a little bit easier. It's a little bit more versatile. But mine was pretty inexpensive, um, you know, and I use it for a lot of things anyways. But it made things so much easier because you really just had to take the bacon. Um, you had to, you know, kind of trim it up a little bit. You did a dry rub with some salt and you have to measure out your salt cures very very precisely this is why i recommend you get a food scale so that you can do that um, and really you just kind of seal it in the bag and you let it sit for a certain amount of time and then you're really just kind of rinsing off your your cure and you're letting it sit again i mean it was really pretty basic i think the hardest part about being able to do this is the fact that you have to wait and it does take time. Now, in terms of things like making salami or pepperoni, for example, um, instead of using an actual casing like you would typically use for any of those types of things, this instead you actually have a casing, but it's kind of this specific type of, um, for lack of better term, plastic, uh, but it's kind of in the shape of a casing. And I found for me personally, especially with even just making, um, you know, Italian sausage and stuff and, and actually stuffing it in casings, it was much easier. And I feel like I got a much better product by actually getting a separate sausage stuffer. So you can buy manual ones that really aren't that expensive and it's completely worth it. The downside about the ones that attach to the mixers, um, you know, especially a KitchenAid mixer is it tends to heat the meat up and that's something you don't really want. When you're working with sausages and salamis, you want to make sure that your meat stays really, really cold. And you want to do that because you don't want that fat to smear. Because um, you're just not going to get a product that's really going to you know, emulsify and hold really well together. So it's important to keep everything extremely cold. It also helps to keep it cleaner. And that way we're also not worrying about you know, introducing harmful bacteria or things like that into the sausages or the meat. And certainly we do not want to have that in our you know, 
end product. So a lot of times if you're making things like salami and pepperoni, you have to let them age. And this is usually done by putting them in a casing. You usually have to spray them. Um, so they kind of get inoculated with this, you know, a good bacteria and molds and things like that. And they ferment. They have to be very specifically controlled in terms of humidity. Um, and so that can be kind of a, a stressful thing. Um, now some people will do this and they hang it up in their basement because it's a cool area and that's fine. That works really well for some people, but if it's something that you've never done this before and you have no knowledge of it, this is where I think the Umai system is a, a great system to kind of start out with. And certainly it will make things much easier, especially if it's something that you want to do, uh, you know, all the time. If it's something that you really, really want to get into, of course, there are countless books on this. There are, again, countless YouTube videos. Um, I think there's actually a channel called Two Guys in a Cooler. Um, and they have some great videos on uh, doing a lot of the charcuterie and even just sausage making and things like that. So definitely check them out too. But it's it, it can be a long process. Um, so you want to make sure, of course, that you have the right equipment. You want to make sure that you're taking your time. Don't rush through it. This is definitely not a, uh, you know, do it quick in 10 minutes. This is more like a, a process. And really, even though there is some time involved in actually doing it, grinding the meat, so on and such forth, you know, at the same time, you have to think that you actually have control over the product that you're making. So if you are concerned about a lot of additives and things like that being introduced into the food you're eating then this is one way that you can make something of your own. And I will tell you, certainly, it's pretty amazing to know that you've cured your own sausage, that you've cured your own bacon. Um, it's a pretty cool feeling to be able to do that. And especially if that's something that you really want to get into. Now, if it's something you don't want to get into, then, you know, by means, maybe not get into it at all because it, it does take time. It's, it's certainly something that is going to take you time and effort. Um, again, you really want to kind of seek out, you know, those specific types of cuts and products um, in order to make your life a little bit easier. Get a, a, a sausage stuffer, just get a manual one. It's fine. Um, it doesn't have to be anything super expensive. There are a lot of expensive ones out there, but it's really all about just having the minimal amount of equipment and then trying out this, uh, this Umai dry system. And again, the thing I like about it is it really just makes things very simple. It gives you the ability to be able to, um, you know, kind of bring charcuterie into your life and try something new. And if you think about it, especially if you're into fermentation products, uh, or projects, I should say, this is a great fermentation project because salamis are, of course, fermented. Um, and if you want to get more into more fermentation things, of course, you can do everything from your own sourdough bread to your own charcuterie to your own cheeses to your own wines and beers. I mean, there's just an endless amount of things that you can do. Um, but charcuterie is definitely something that is pretty fascinating and really kind of a lot of fun to get into. Now, there are a lot of different books, as I mentioned, um, that are out there that can kind of help you with this. If you want to go beyond just doing something like the Umai Dry system, um, of course, you can actually, you know, do full-on charcuterie where you're, you know, literally curing these things or hanging them in your basement 
Um, you know, maybe it's a, a process that you really want to get involved in. Maybe you, you know, have a little bit of experience with it and you want to kind of get into it more. Of course, you can buy, um, you know, coolers that are specifically used for dry aging meats or making charcuterie. Of course, you can get terrines and things like that if you want to do something like um, pâtés. Um, there's really just so many different avenues to be able to pursue with this. And the thing that, again, I just really love about it, it gives you a chance to really be creative with the products that you're making. It gives you the chance to have control over the products that you're making. And I think that's pretty amazing. Um, I know certainly I have made some really great Italian sausages. And I thought, you know, if this is something I could turn into a salami, it would be fantastic, you know. Um, and I think if it's something where, again, you really are kind of searching out for those food projects that you can get interested in or a hobby that you can get interested in, this is definitely one of them. Um, it can get expensive as can any hobby, especially when it's related to food, because again, sometimes you have to have some specialty things, but really you can start out pretty minimally. Um, you really don't have to have a lot of things, uh, again, a food scale, uh, a meat grinder, um, and, you know, some type of a sausage stuffer. Um, some people will, you know, get a lot of different things. I mean, again, it, it really is, the sky's kind of the limit, depending on what you want to do. And uh, next week, we're actually going to be talking about fermentation. So it's kind of going along with what we're uh, discussing today. We'll get into it a little bit more in depth in the uh, the next episode. But... If you guys want to check out a great book, um, this is one that I actually have for charcuterie when I first started getting into it. And it's actually called Charcuterie. Um, there's also a, another book called Sulami, which is, or I'm sorry, Salumi, um, which is also charcuterie, obviously. Um, but this is a great book. It's called Charcuterie, The Craft of Salting, Smoking, and Curing. Um, it's a book written by Michael Roman and uh, Brian Paulson, and it's it's really a great book. I mean, there's a lot of recipes in here. It's really going to go, um, you know, kind of in depth. I think it it's great with its instructions. They're really simple. They're really easy to understand. It kind of goes through the, um, you know, not just the process, but the things that you want to really pay attention to, things as far as, you know, maintaining your humidity and how important that is. Um, you know, making sure that you're preparing the meats in the right way, making sure that you're keeping them cold, making sure that you're, you know, have your correct, um, kind of salt to fat to meat ratio and those types of things. And it's just got some really great recipes in here. Now I will tell you that the majority of them, um, in fact, I think pretty much every recipe that I've ever seen in here, they'll actually do it by volume and then they'll also do it by weight. Um, I would recommend, especially when it comes to things that you're fermenting, always do it with a food scale. Do it in grams um, because the, you know, when you're doing it in grams, it's going to be much more accurate. This is why a lot of times that people that are bakers, especially bread bakers, for example, a lot of times they'll do things in grams. And it's a much more accurate way to measure. So I know we're not used to the metric system here, but I can tell you it's much more accurate. So follow the, um, 
when they give you the the recipe for something um so there's one for example i'm looking at that's called smoked chicken and roasted garlic sausage um sounds pretty amazing and i'm not a huge chicken sausage fan but this sounds really good because it's got garlic involved so it's got to be good um but again it'll go from it'll say like three and a half pounds and then it'll give you the equivalent of uh, 1.5 kilograms again Try to follow those metric measurements because they're going to be a lot more accurate when it comes to measuring out your salt cures and things like that. So kind of get in that mindset. And this is why I say a food scale is so important. It's also going to be really important when it comes to measuring out the proper amount of cure to the amount of meats that you have. Because if you don't have the right amount of salt, obviously something's not going to cure properly. You don't want to be introducing harmful bacterias or things like that into um you know, your products. The last thing you want to do is make somebody sick after they eat your food, especially yourself. (laughs) So just don't do it. Be accurate as much as you can with it. Uh, Kitchen scales are really inexpensive. They're really cheap. They're not that expensive at all. I think I paid like 25 bucks for mine on Amazon. Um, I use this thing all the time, constantly. I've had it for at least 10 years. Um, You know, and it's still running great. I have to change the batteries once in a while, but it works fantastically. So they're really inexpensive is is what I mean to say. And it's going to really help you, especially if you want to get into doing any kind of ferments or you want to get into uh, charcuterie or any type of bread making and those types of things. Um, do yourself a favor and and get one. Spend a little bit more on it. Just it, you're going to use it. You really will use it. But they have some great recipes in here as well. Um, I will go ahead and I'll actually mention this book. Um, I'll put a link in the the description notes again, um, just so you can kind of check it out for yourselves. It's a great book. There really are a lot of different books out there. If you want to just check out some YouTube channels, um, as I mentioned, I think it's called two guys in a cooler. Um, they have some really cool videos on their YouTube channel, but you can definitely check that out and, uh, see if it's something that interests you. And then, you know, again, if you guys want to kind of dive a little bit more in depth in this, please let me know. Send me an email at thekitchendrawerpodcast at gmail.com, of course, or you can also comment on our Facebook page as well, The Kitchen Drawer Podcast. Again, I'll put links to all that up there. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Jerry's Rustic Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And on Twitter at Jerry's Rustic Kit One. That is the number one. Again, I will leave all those links in the description below. And uh, I hope to hear from you guys. Hope to uh, see what you guys are cooking up. If you want to show me some of the things that you've made, especially from the podcast or from our blog, jerrysrustickitchen.com, of course, you can always tag me at Jerry's Rustic Kitchen on Instagram. I'd love to see what you guys are doing. And I definitely love to hear from you to uh, hear what projects you have going on in the kitchen. If there's an idea that you have, please also let us know. Um, I would absolutely love to be able to dig up any amount of information that I can that's going to help you guys get inspired and help you find that connection to food in your own kitchen and certainly to get you guys cooking. So until next time, guys, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to enjoy each other's company, enjoy food, and remember that it is never too late to start cooking. (music) 